0: Hello, I'm Alan Cumming, and welcome to My Shelves. My Shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Uh, Here is an oil painting done by my friend Tonka, who happens to be a chimp, and who I'm trying to desperately get out of a horrible situation he's in in Missouri and get him to safety and let him roam free again. Whoa, this is good. This is a wallet, but when you open it, flames come out more on that later. And today I'm talking to my dear old friend, the painter David Remfrey.
1: I left a message on his thing and then he rang back and he said, I promised to do something for you and I can't remember what it is.
0: Welcome, <laughs> <laughs> David Renfrey was born in Worthing in 1942. His family later moved to Hull where he studied art and printmaking at the Hull College of Art. He currently lives and works in London, but I knew him when he lived at the Chelsea Hotel in New York City. He's probably best known for his large scale watercolours of dancers and for the many drawings and watercolours he did of his neighbours and friends at the Hotel Chelsea. He lived there from 1995 to 2016. He was also commissioned by the fashion designer Stella McCartney to produce a series of drawings for the launch of her fashion house. He was elected a member of the Royal Watercolour Society in 1987. He was awarded an MBE for services to British art in America in 2001. He became a member of the Royal Academy of Arts. That means he's a Royal Academician. Academician, I find that very difficult to say. In 2006, And in 2016, he was appointed Professor of Drawing at the Royal Academy Schools. David's work is in museums and galleries and mines and homes. There's quite a few in my home all over the world. And he is also, more importantly, an absolute darling of a man. I have many pictures and drawings by David on my shelves. It was actually very difficult to choose just one to talk to him about today. But I finally plumped on one. It's a little watercolour of me and my dog Honey. That he gave me as a gift for a rather big birthday. So David, there's a couple of things that I could use, but there's one thing you gave me for my 40th birthday. It's a, a watercolour and it's of me and honey and it said and you've written on it now my dad's turned 40 will he t- will he still be flirty <laughs> i love it because that was some time ago as i'm about to turn 56 can you imagine surely not i know it's incredible i know it's hard to believe <laughs> but i was trying to think the first time we met and i think we met correct me if i'm wrong but i think we met at a party that glenda gave for no. No, Is that, that right? was the second. That was oh, the was second, second time. What, what was the first time?
1: The first time was it, we we'd been to see you uh, at the f- first place. Oh yeah.
0: yes, you came to see me in Cabaret. The, the, yes, we met up with Anna Free. Ah, you came with Anna, and Anna was in closer with Natasha Richardson, who had been in that's, Cabaret. That uh, she had.
1: Was. That's right. Yes. yes, and I was desperate to do a drawing of you. So so I said that to Anna, and she she. She marched over and and, and said, you, you, "You've got to do this or something like that," and uh, you said yes. But we uh, we had no way of I had no way of getting in touch with you until Glenda, right had this party. So,
0: yes, yeah, so that was the party. I think that was early two thousand. So I remember first sitting for you at the Chelsea Hotel. I think
1: yes, that's where you came. You didn't come to my first studio, uh, which was on Twenty Sixth Street.
0: And I remember it was—I just remember like the—I—I I, my idea of actually every time I've sat for people, it's always been a different experience to what I imagined. But it was just—I remember it being so easy uh, I, and fun, and you didn't have to sit still for very long, and it was great. But it was—it was like it was like sort of therapy. I remember telling you things. <laughs> that I thought, oh, gosh, it,
1: it's quite good that you know you you could you could really uh, squeal. You could really hear.
0: <laughs> you get some juicy gossip. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, people do say funny things. I, I did a, a portrait of Joan Rivers years, years, and years ago, and then she decided she wanted me to paint her with Melissa.
0: Oh yeah, her daughter. And
1: uh, yeah, and uh, when I was doing it, I wouldn't, I, I, didn't, I don't let, let anybody see anything. Anyway, they, uh, Edgar and her came up behind, you know, said, "We just wanted to let you know that Melissa's going to have a, a procedure on her nose later in the year, and I wonder if you could." You know, do something about that in the pit, in the pit.
0: Well a uh, pre uh, the portrait with the new yes. <laughs> I, I,
1: I, I said. I said I said, you know, there's not much I could do that. I could leave a little white triangle and let the plastic surgeon fill it in for you. <laughs> and they both looked at each other and they said, Oh yeah, of course, yes.
0: <laughs> and oh she looked my great, God. she
1: looked she looked fantastic, you know, there's nothing wrong with her.
0: When did you move into the Chelsea Hotel? In
1: 1995.
0: And you came from London. You'd always lived in London. And then you just suddenly, what was, what was it prompted you to go to New York?
1: What I was doing is, is I'd done a commission. Somebody saw the work and they said they'd love, love to give me a show, a gallery. Uh-huh. Uh, but, they, but they wanted me to paint the paintings in New York.
0: Oh, so you were uh, sort of doing a so, spell yeah,
1: there. So, we, so we, we set aside, I said, okay, we'll, we'll go for a year. Uh, but ah. Caroline got her green card. Ah, I cause see.
0: Because she, she's Irish. <laughs> ah, right. The luck of the Irish. And, and and so the, who is it, Molly Parkin and Richard Hughes, they were artists who lived there too, or they just knew about no, it? No, no. Uh, uh, Patrick Hughes, sorry.
1: He, he moved there with Molly Parkin, then left her and lived with uh, the,
0: the,
1: you probably know of her, Suzanne Barsh.
0: Oh, the part yes. The part I know Suzanne was, very well. Yeah, she was with yeah, I, I, uh, Patrick Hughes. Yeah,
1: yeah, she, they lived together, you know, they, they, for, for a long time. In fact, she she really regrets his leaving her for someone else.
0: And then she took up with uh, David Barton, the gym the the gym mogul. It, and they were together. They had a, a child and everything, didn't they?
1: They did. He was a very sweet boy.
0: He is lovely. As um, yes, I, I I I met him as when he was an adult. Cause I, there's a movie about Suzanne. Have you seen it?
1: No. It's no. so
0: good. A documentary about her. And well, it must I, it, yeah. yeah, it's really good. Um, um It was on Netflix pages. Really, and Suzanne Barsch is this sort of party. She's German and she does throws these amazing parties. And it kind of, to me, feels like what I imagine New York was like in the past. That everyone dresses up. They were fantastic, weren't they? Such fun and so kind of like wacky. And, you know, everyone, everyone really makes an effort. And it's very sort of loads of crazy makeup and gender fluid sort of things. And it, it's just like, really exciting sort of you know glam androgynous sexy uh, everything i loved it made, I, I can imagine you would well did you paint I, a lot of those people
1: yeah of course i did i, I yeah. that my first exhibition was was full of of, of what we call gender fluid
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and and i absolutely adored it you know there was they were so gorgeous
0: it was such fun
1: it would have been good for you because you lived on 14th Street for a while.
0: I did. I actually lived even near, when I first went to New York, I lived even nearer. I lived on Bethune Street, which was in the Meatpacking District. And I remember Bethune. nights, yeah, Bethune in the... Uh, Bethune,
1: yeah, I know that one. What's and that the, place?
0: Yeah. It was all artist studios. I subletted an artist studio. Oh, uh, the th- Westbeth. Th-
1: uh, Westbeth. Uh, yeah. I wanted one there. Well, they're great. Oh, they
0: were really, And also because some of them look onto the river. I'd met, I'd, I'd love that uh, place. I also, it was the first time I ever lived in like uh, you know the idea of every like one big room it was like a, it was like a loft and so it's that, that idea you could get out of your bed mm-hmm. and walk to the kitchen and you wouldn't go through any doors <laughs> I just thought that was magical I like
1: that I like the loo to be separate
0: the loo was separate yes yes <laughs> so what was it like when you first moved to the Chelsea was it still what What was the state of it at that point and who was living there
1: oh it was fantastic it it was uh, truly fantastic uh, you know um, people that had lived there all, the, you know, for years 50 years or more Arnold, there were three Weinsteins it was actually Arnold Weinstein uh-huh. who was a great friend of um, playwright Marilyn Monroe's uh,
0: oh uh, Arthur Miller yeah so who was Arnold
1: Arnold was a um, a librettist and uh-huh. a musician people like Dollar Brand uh, I don't know if you know of them uh, him
0: no, what uh, sounds like a really store? Uh,
1: Dollar Brand is is a black, uh, black musician oh. uh, from um South Africa, aha, gorgeous man, absolutely fantastic. Uh, I don't know. Quinton came there, uh, but he came to the first studio, uh, quite a,
0: quite a bit. He wasn't living there,
1: no, he was living. At, in east not village, far where, from where you yeah not far from where you, where you live in,
0: yeah because yeah. um it's funny we're talking about quentin crisp and he um he used to live in east village and i actually met him uh i i was i mean i saw him a couple of times grant used to see him all the time used to help him across the road on second avenue and there's a diner on second avenue that quentin always used to go to and um grant has a we've got i think it's a it's a a sort of a drawing of Quentin that he did and he wrote down all the things that Quentin said during the lunch <laughs> as he drew him and uh, it's so great. I was photographed by David LaChapelle uh for Interview Magazine and, and, and David had a, an exhibition of photographs and I was in it and so was Quentin and it, they were all quite risque pictures. Um, I'd done yeah. some very risque ones for him and actually the one that he had in the exhibition was fairly tame uh, but there were some quite nutty ones with Amanda Lepore and all those sorts of types Ooh, of people. lovely. Yes. And anyway, I was outside having a cigarette and Quentin came out and I was introduced to him. And I, was, I was, I remember being like, you know when you meet someone like that who's sort of, even then he seemed like from another time, another era. He was such a yes. legend and such a sort of, it's almost, they don't seem real almost. It's almost like watching a movie and it's actually a real person. And uh, I was like, oh gosh, how nice to meet you. And he, and he said to me, because he went, It seems you and I are the only people with our clothes on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. I
1: I met, uh, because he he was the naked civil servant. And years and years ago in London, uh, I got a job uh, teaching a night class of drawing. And and, uh, I had an exercise book and it had a, a roster of models with their phone numbers. I got through this 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 name Quentin Crisp came up, so I rang him up and and he came along. And uh, he struck the most absurd heroic pose, and I thought well, it's a Grecian oh, uh, sort of thing. Yes, exactly, with his posing pouch only, and and, and a sort of. As if he was holding a spear or something, and and uh, I said, "Yeah, let's see, hold that." I was, I was thinking, but he held it for an, like an, an an hour without f- flinching. Wow! Said, but we uh, we came we came pals. Uh, I saw him much later. I said, I'd, "I'd like to to draw you," and he said, "Yeah." He said, "Well." I'm I'm going to New York," he said. "So so uh, you you oh I am in New York now. So but I'm my name's in the the, the telephone book. So so ring me when you get there. And um, I thought, yeah, that's that's a kiss off. But it actually <laughs> it 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 was in the phone book, and I rang him up and and uh, I left a message on his thing, and then he rang back and he said. I promised to do something for you and I can't remember what it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh you could have you could have got anything, David.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well I'm not sure, Alan. <laughs> 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 and, and the fee the fee for sitting was to take him for lunch, that was it, and provide pram- transportation. So I took him to that little diner on, on the 11th, uh, is it 11th? And uh, there was a piano player called B. Lyons there and she was playing these American standards And she came up to the table, she's a sweet little woman, she said have you any requests? And he said, yes, I'd rather you didn't play. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: that's fantastic. <laughs> I think I've seen the the picture you did of him
1: i did a lot but yeah But he did it, a lot and there's a very yeah.
0: big one i think it was one because that was the thing the first i remember the first time coming to sit for you going into your studio and there's all these sort of paintings stacked up and there was like john gilgood quentin crisp it's 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 kind of a little intimidating
1: <laughs> you know
0: both both those
1: people uh, uh hated the word gay both of them mm. riff, riff, uh, liked the word queer or or used the word queer and yeah. uh, it was—it was at that point it was hard to get used to that, but because it—it it, it wasn't in vogue, if, if you're not—I know mean,
0: which wasn't v- uh, queer. W- well,
1: c- queer, queer was definitely yeah. a pejorative word.
0: And why do you think they liked it more than gay?
1: I—I I think it, uh, to them it was—it uh, was more real. I think it was—it mm. was—it's it, what they felt about themselves too.
0: Right. I like queer. I mean, I, I say queer. I mean, queer is different now. It's got a different connotation. It's got a sort of a and a more of an umbrella sort of um, feeling to it. And I think what's interesting about queer is it doesn't just refer to your sexuality either. It can, it's more about an attitude and an aesthetic. I, and I like that too.
1: Me too. I, 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 I totally agree. I think it's an, a, a real insult to be called uh, straight.
0: It, it is. It's a real <laughs> It's really it's a real
1: downer.
0: I mean, big downer. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so hilarious, isn't it? Talking of John Gielgud and queer, have you did I ever tell you that story? This is a, this is like um, I mean, I hope it's not apocryphal because that sort of means that it's not true. But um, it was a, it's a story that goes around in the theatre that, um, and I think he's a fascinating person because uh, you know he was arrested a couple of times for cottaging, for you know, having yeah, sex he- in public toilets. And, and he, it, it was really interesting. His career, um he, he I read recently that the second, well, one of the times it happened, he was in a play and he wanted to resign from the play and blah, blah, blah. Or they wanted him to resign from the play. And he walked on stage that next night after it had gone in the papers and he got a, a, a standing ovation. And I think that's a really interesting sort of, you know, in the four, 50s, I guess, the this, this sort of turn of the tide about acceptance and the way that you know, the the sort of iniquities of the of the people's sexualities, the iniquities yes. of the laws of sexuality was seen. But the, so there was this thing where he was at the Royal Court and this is someone's, you know, relayed this story and it's done the rounds. And I just so hope it's true. Because he was at the Royal Court doing a play, and the stage manager came in, knocked on the door, went, you know, oh, oh, Mr uh, or, or, Mr. Gailgood, it's your half hour call. And they opened the door. And there was John Gilgood giving a blowjob to like a tattooed skinhead. And he was saying, <laughs> come in my face, you filthy crow. <laughs> and I hope that's true. There's just so much to unpack there. We could do a whole episode about that. <laughs> it,
1: it may be a niche audience. But I...
0: It's I just like there. the idea that he's saying this to the person. Of course, that of is, course. I mean, it's just a lot is going on. And oh, he oh. did.
1: He did say that he he absolutely loved being in Caligula because he had to dive into a pool full of naked boys. <laughs> I <laughs> bet and, you get, and, get, and get paid for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where did you paint Tim?
1: I painted him in the studio that I'm sitting in now, and and ah. also I went quite a lot of times to his house, and he used to come for his sittings, and his chauffeur would wait outside, or the, his driver, not a chauffeur, uh, wait outside. While he 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 told me stories. Basically, he he said at the end of it, he 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 uh, near the, near the end of it, he said, "Are you queer?" And I I said I felt really. Guilty and and about it, and I said, "I'm I'm afraid not, Sir John." He said, "No, no, no, I didn't think so."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just testing the water, though, just in case. Oh, bless him! (laughs) Yeah. And what? So, what time? What sort of time was that? I mean, in terms of
1: 1984, 1983, four. Right, and and it was for the National Portrait Gallery. I think he wanted me to make him look younger. Which
0: oh, did you?
1: (laughs) no I didn't uh, I, he, he said he didn't want to sit for, he, in the interview afterwards he said I, I didn't want to sit for, for the, the artist at first but the boy won me over
0: Lord, <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, oh nice I wish I had made him younger now <laughs> oh I love that This is my friend Joe. Hi. Now, Joe plays rugby for England. Yeah, what's your point? Come on. Well, Joe presents a podcast and it's my firm belief that you should listen to it. Very interesting. And here's why. Because it's not actually a rugby podcast because, well, let's face it, there's billions of them already. No, 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 no. It's about you, the listener, and the jobs you do. If you're a teacher, an astronaut, a tree surgeon or a chef then we've got loads of questions for you. The Joe Marler Show, because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. That's a great line. That's a, that is a very good line from you, Tom. Thank you, Joe. You want to find it? Search for The Joe Marler Show in your podcast app, because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Hold up. What was that? Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Tell me more about the Chelsea. I'm really intrigued about how... I met this fabulous actor there, uh, Alan Cumming.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Still a charm (laughs) That was great, actually. Those times were really lovely. Oh, I so
0: loved it. It was so... I, I I always think it was such a, I, I think it was probably after one of my breakups and it you know when I started sitting for you the first time and it was so nice to just chat about it stuff and, yeah and you just kind of you know t- find yourself telling someone and then you get to really know I guess that's where we really forged our f- deep friendship because it was like yeah you are being very intimate it's a very intimate thing isn't it painting someone and you make it really intimate because you allow people <laughs> to speak
1: yeah, and I, I, I do not pass on stories, although here I am telling you about Gilgut. <laughs> I, 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 I count the demise of a sitter as, as a license. I think to, that's fair. Spill. Fair enough, yes.
0: When that's... I die, tell everything, David. <laughs> when I die, you can tell everything. Alan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You had a tattoo you and and you had a dilemma oh. because you you, you you didn't know what to do about it and we were thinking how you could change it
0: yes you I had a tattoo of someone's name on my body a relationship which I'm ashamed to say only lasted in its entirety four and a half months <laughs> and I had this tattoo done after two weeks and it was on my groin <laughs> And what was you? you had a really good idea. What was, cause it was, his name well, was Raven. And, and I, I, so I had I, Raven.
1: I, I, I thought you should put done Raven.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that one. Yeah,
1: We came up with a few things. I see you.
0: But I bet eventually I got it uh, just, just removed, removed uh, by, by laser. And that part of my, uh, Life was gone. Um, <laughs> I'm up here right now in our house in the Catskills and you and Caroline came to visit many times over the years and we would always sort of, you know, have these drunken sing-song dancey evenings. It was such fun. Such and fun. it wasn't till years later you told me that you used to get up quite early. We would all still be asleep and and you and Honey, my dog, would sort of hang out and oh. that's why you had all these when you did your uh, dog exhibition called uh, we, "We Think the World of You." It was a book and it was an exhibition of people with their dogs. Yeah, you said you had all these sketches and things of her because you'd oh, spent that. all those sort of times alone with her in the mornings while we were all still snorting off our hangovers.
1: It, <laughs> well, I had a hangover too, but, I, but it was <laughs> it was too good to uh, to waste up there. <laughs> so so I got up when when it and honey was. She, she was glorious in the morning because she, it was like her domain, and she would mm. sort of she <laughs> she must have woken up because she used to bark sometimes. She she just thought it was great to bark.
0: Yes, <laughs> I was used to it. So there's this beautiful picture that you did of of Honey and I sitting on a, a sofa that's upstairs. That and it's also like the one that I referenced in the beginning the the, the birthday, which is a birthday card you gave me that was a little painting and there's another one I've got of, 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 of another one of honey and I actually what I love that you do is that they're watercolors big 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 watercolors but you don't do you don't you don't color it all in <laughs> I'm, <laughs> cheap.
1: Just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm cheap I'm-
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's so great that you just like in the one on my card like honey is beautifully colored in but I'm not, and then there's other bits like some of my skin is coloured in, but it's other, and then the sofa uh, the, or the uh, the rug is is in. Oh is, yes, is yeah. yeah. And I love that that you live that you leave this um not blank space, but what do you call it? The opposite space, the uh um negative
1: space or negative it is. space. Yes, it's just yeah. a really.
0: I've never seen that done in watercolors but I, before.
1: I, I don't. I think the negative space is negative. I think it's part of no, no really. Uh, but that the one you referred to is called the blue chair. But at the end, I I, I didn't put any color on it. So. That's right. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's I'm lying on these blue cushions, but you wouldn't know. I love that. But it's also really interesting because it makes you 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 invite that, or you encourage the viewer to look at the. I guess to look at the coloured bit first. So you have this sort of. Um, Interesting experience looking at a painting because you're drawn to something and then you realise there's this whole other bit that you haven't... That you, and I, I just think that's a really clever thing to do. It
1: makes your, your eye travel, which yeah. I, I quite like to happen. You sat for me to start with and you didn't have honey. And one day you turned up with honey because Whitney had given you
0: honey yes yes that's right she was fostering honey from a she was like volunteering for a for a, a, a rescue place and she'd rescue you know took honey for a couple of nights and told me about her and i it was such a funny thing because i didn't want to do i didn't think i was going to want a dog and all of a sudden i just, I just said oh, i'm going to get this dog and she was mental as well she was such a mental dog when i first got her and yeah. had, had a big yellow stripe of uh a, a big yellow stripe of paint along her side. And oh. did I ever take. So she was. She was obviously abused, and there was things because she was. It took a long time to. I mean, you know that thing when you say when you. So people say you just smother someone or something with love, and it will. Yeah. blossom. It's it's true. It's but true. But it took a lot of love, a lot of love, because she was used to have these crazy fits at night, and, I, and the, I had this trainer, and she said she would say to me, "Okay, what you have to do is just when she goes nuts like that and has this fitness and biting and everything, you just pin her down." and like lie on top of her and have your hand on top of her paws and sort of spread eagle her until she, uh, and she's going sort of <laughs> trying to bite at your hands <laughs> and totally trying to get away from her. I'm just all my weight on top of her and you just have to wait for her to calm down. And then she, you could always tell when she was about to be ready to be let go because she would just go, <sighs> like she would release it oh. and then she'd be fine. And, but it was so crazy that <laughs> years later, I remember <laughs> being out, I mean, sort of, I would call it a date, but it wasn't. There wasn't much precursor to the actual engagement. If you see what I mean, and this boy said to me, uh, "I think I saw you about um, six months ago." I went, "Oh, really?" He goes, "Over in Chelsea." I went, oh, "Yes, that's where I live." And he went, "You were um, kind of lying on top of a dog on one of the piers." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yes, that was me. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> Who is your? I mean, obviously this is a difficult question, but aside from me. Who is your favorite (laughs) person to have painted? I mean, what is the what's the the stories they tell, or is the painting that comes out? I mean, what do you? Is it the experience or the end product with you?
1: It's really hard because I I most I get such a kick out of of it. I like people. In fact, I Mm -hmm. love people, and uh, it's you get to know more about human beings and yourself. Yeah. To, you know and and, and it's I, I don't know about favorite
0: yeah it's a dopey question
1: well it's not a dopey question it's just not a very answerable one <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, if you exclude yourself
0: I do yes of course natch natch
1: because we we talk a lot but, but I do talk a lot a lot to, to other people i I used to uh, paint these these pretty pictures I, I went through us when I was ill. Years ago, painting, mm-hmm. big and young women would sit for me, and, and and children, and I got this such a lovely message from somebody who was in her thirties or forties, say on my answering machine in New York, saying, "I just want to thank you because when I was a, a kid, you, you used to draw me, and I used to tell you everything, and I was terribly unhappy." And you just listened to me whittering on, and it made such a difference oh. to me. And and I fe- felt so safe. And it, it, I, I honestly, I wept. I did I just, I, that's so lovely.
0: I bet. Ah, well, eh? that I mean, that's 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 what I think of you. That's what I think of you. Actually, Are you, uh, I, you, I've sat for you at times in my life when I what, what really crazy nutty, not very nice things were going on, and it was just a chance to just. And with I did feel safe, and I did feel sort of heard as well and just had the space to just blurt it all out. And then you would say something and it'd be really fascinating. And it, it, you are, you are like a a therapist in a way, an art therapist. And so I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad it's not just me. And I love that. And So she painted. you did that when she was a little girl, then you came to paint her again when yeah, she was older.
1: I paint, I, I paint lots of pictures of her when she was a, a child. And then later on, I painted her. I painted her when she was pregnant. You know, she she mm. she had. Uh, uh, I don't know if she's married, but she she had a boyfriend. She was living with, and
0: uh-huh. she had
1: two two children.
0: David, this is this is absolutely great. I just think it's so lovely to be able to talk to you about, you know, things that I have on the walls and the shelves here that are, mem- that are beautiful things I can look at but also they have memories great memories for me and also I can talk to the person who made the things as well it's just like this memory sort of um, train and it's, it's just been so lovely to talk to you
1: It's love been really a treat to, to talk to you it's, uh, so
0: thanks and my pleasure and please as soon as I die tell everything that I said to you in this and vice versa (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, my darling you take care lots of love Uh, uh, lots of love talk to you soon talk to you soon bye well I'm going to put my watercolour of Honey and I back on my shelves I hope you've enjoyed this lovely illuminating hilarious tender jaunt down memory lane with David Renfrey. And I hope you'll join me next time for Alan Cumming Shelves. Alan Cumming Shelves is hosted by me, Alan Cumming, duh, and produced by the lovely Jack Claremont. We are part of the ACAST Creator Network and the Crowd Network too. We just love networks. Another Crowd Network podcast to check out is unaccountable it's a podcast fighting for police accountability in the united states it's a podcast that tells the stories of innocent people who've been killed by the police just like george floyd but also people like muhammad muhaiman chasey house and carrie Illedge, and so many more you haven't heard about but you really should have the stories can be difficult to listen to but this could be the most important podcast you'll ever hear it's a podcast fighting for change and we need to join that fight just search for unaccountable in your podcast app now. Hold up.